Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Saturday, November 12th, and this is episode number 198. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter. The only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investing opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Really good to be back with you guys again today. Apologize for not getting an episode out last week. I had some uh, personal conflicts that could not uh, allow in my scheduled time to get that out to you guys. So my apologies. Um, hopefully today we'll make up for that. Um, a little bit of housekeeping first. Uh, next week, I will also be traveling. It's going to be difficult for me to get an episode out uh, towards the end of next week. So I most likely will do that uh, probably a couple of days before the Thanksgiving holiday of the week following. So again, I apologize. I'm going to be, not be able to get that episode out to you next week either. Um, another piece of housekeeping, Monday, November 14th will be our November members only webinar. If you are a member, hopefully we'll see you there. If you're not a member, you can attend these webinars, even with a quarterly membership for our Uranium Cider Pro service. This month, I'm very, very excited to have this guest on. This guest is a uh, portfolio manager for one of the top hedge funds that's solely invested in the uranium and nuclear space. Um, he's very, very intelligent and well, uh, well versed in all things nuclear. Um, has deep, deep knowledge in the space, more than possibly anyone, with very few exceptions. So, really looking forward to getting into the weeds on Monday, uh, taking a very broad, zoomed out view on the uranium investment thesis, on the growth and outlook for nuclear. I'm going to talk about that a bit in the mailbag section, as far as the long term trajectory for this sector and potentially for this investment as well. Um, so we hope to see you there on Monday. That's going to be uh, a fantastic conversation um, with with our with our guest and with our members, of course, as we address uh, questions um, during this two hour long webinar. All right. So uh, last couple of weeks have been quite tumultuous in the markets, as they always are. Um, a lot of up, a lot of down. Uh, generally, though, up in the last two weeks. So we have not spoken in two weeks. So I'm going to try to give you some two week. Two weeks worth of data here in terms of the daily scoreboard. All right, starting off, spot price of uranium is uh, $50 a pound mid-market. That is up a few dollars since we last spoke. Um, ticked down a little bit uh, to close uh, the week yesterday on Friday the 11th. But generally speaking, we we're back in a bit of an uptrend for the spot price. Um, it, was, it was kind of odd the way that the spot price had ticked down last week. And I, I mentioned on Twitter in my apology for not getting an episode out to you guys that if you're worried about it, don't. Um, this basically was a single seller that was motivated and uh, there were not any bids on the table. So um, basically they just kept dropping the ask. That was it. Uh, very, very low volumes. It's really not even, an, it's a non-story. Um, the spot price volumes are continue to be low, although we do continue to see additional players in the spot market, not just the financial players, even though SPUT has been more active. Uh, in the last two weeks, they did purchase 200,000 pounds of uranium, uh, 100,000 pounds on two separate occasions, and they were able to raise $13 million. In fact, they've raised the last five trading days. They raised every single day this past week. A couple of days, it was pretty negligible the amount of money they raised, but um, in the last two weeks, they've raised $13 million. They're now sitting on $15.3 million in cash. Yesterday, they closed at a minus 1% discount to NAV. So they've been right around NAV for the past couple of weeks. Um, 
generally closing below NAV, but intraday, there's been moves up above NAV and they've been able to raise. So uh, even though these low volumes are here, SPUD continues to stack uranium. So year to date, they're now sitting on 18 million pounds purchased this year, and they've raised 934 million. I think they'll cross that 1 billion mark this year. Um, turning to the ETFs, not not a whole lot going on with the ETFs. A bit of redemptions, a bit of uh, a bit of issuance. Generally, over the last two weeks, there's probably been more issuance than redemptions, and that's generally been coming from URA. I do think the moves yesterday, especially looking at the volumes coming into URNM, we probably did see some ETF buying and some some flywheel effect happening yesterday. So on that note, why don't we take a look at the charts? Starting off with URA, now these are weekly charts, up 7.5% on the week, closed pretty darn close to the highs of the week, right up against that declining 50-week uh, moving average, well above this rising 200-week moving average. This is a really interesting chart. You can see that I noted uh, what could be a reverse head and shoulders pattern playing out, shoulder, head, shoulder. Um, it certainly seems like we are breaking out to the upside, volumes jumping up substantially, over the, this past week, although still relatively low compared to the breakout from early September, late August on the Japanese restart news. Um, obviously, uh, because that news kind of petered out, we need to see volumes increase and see us break back up above these all of these moving averages and break up and out of this declining channel pattern. Technically, kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, if we look at the daily chart, <clears throat> we are right at that 200-day moving average. And I want to note here that that 200-day moving average is moving up. We're now, again, moving up on the 200-day, and we closed just below it. So a break above the rising 200-day moving average and a close above that 200-day moving average on increasing volume is a, re a resumption of a bullish trend, generally speaking, if you're just looking at the moving averages. Of course, I would like to see us break up and out of this declining channel. Looking at URNM relative to the spot price of uranium. Now let's look at this on a weekly chart. So this URNM, obviously a basket of uranium miners. Uh, U.UN is the spot trust. And while we do trade at times at a premium and discount to NAV, like this big peak back here in November of last year was at a 20% premium to NAV. Um, the lows of the summer were at a 16, 70% discount to NAV. So this chart is a bit of, uh, of an extreme when it comes to the spot price because of those premiums and discounts to NAV. Sorry about the jumping around on the chart. Look at that weekly bar for the miners relative to the metal. Fantastic to see. Uh, and back at uh, the beginning of this, so right about this trend line um, or this horizontal line, the resistance line was the breakout of the actual bull market for uranium equities. That's December 2020. And we were right back at those levels three weeks ago. And I did highlight that in this podcast and especially to, to members pounding the table on the valuations of the miners compared to the metal, knowing that the metal would be going higher. The metal is going higher. And guess what? The metal will continue to move up, period. We're not going back down. And the very, very conservative uh, uranium consultants, UXC, Trade Tech, et cetera, are saying the same thing. So it's not just the bullish investing guys like myself. It's the actual entities that are speaking to the, to the utilities saying, hey, there was no volume in the summertime and uranium stayed at 47 bucks a pound. Sput's been out of the market. Uranium stayed at 47 bucks a pound. Don't expect prices to go below that. They're not going to go below that. And they are going higher. They can see the writing on the wall. They can see where the trend for nuclear is going. And they're telling the utilities uh, uh, time to uh, saddle up and, and enter those long-term contracts. And we are seeing that finally. All right. 
Camico up 7% on the week. Good, uh, decent week for Camico. Volume slightly declining. Did get rejected on the highs in the week. Not as nice of a chart as I would have liked to see for Camico, but still $3 above that price of the raise, uh, 250 I guess, above the price of that raise, 2195 And that was a chunky raise. Obviously, the market was not happy about the 15% uh, discount that they raised at, but you know what? They got it done. They raised uh, $747 billion dollars. Um, in these markets is uh, an accomplishment. And I think the Camago is going much, much higher. URA compared to the S&P, positive on the week. I would have liked to have seen a bit more outperformance, but it is what it is. Uh, still, we did outperform the S&P with the S&P going super risk on after the lower CPI numbers coming in on Thursday morning. So uh, the S&P had a 5% up day on uh, Thursday and then uh, I think a 2% update yesterday. So very strong, big breakout for the S&P. We are looking like we're seeing a bit of a rising wedge on the S&P. Um, let's look at the daily chart and check the RSI. RSI looking decent here, actually, for the S&P. So I'm not sure that this rising wedge breaks down. We'll see. A break above that, uh, back up to this resistance point. This is a place I would be looking to potentially hedge again, uh, possibly short the market. I'm obviously not shorting anything in the Iranian world. I think we're on the cusp of a breakout. But um, if you want to hedge, if you're concerned about the markets going down, I would be looking at uh, right around if we do go above this rising wedge, this resistance line. So S&P, let's say uh, 4,100, probably a place to start to add into some shorts. And looking at URNM, let's look at the weekly chart of URNM. Big, big volume on Friday for URNM. Breakout volume. Very good to see. Highest close that we've seen since uh, September. Really good to see. Big weekly volume. Big, beautiful weekly candle. Love to see it up over 7% on the week. And like I said, I would not be surprised if there was some share issuance coming from URNM um, on Friday. All right. So mailbag section. I'm going to talk a bit about um, kind of the long-term viewpoint that I have with nuclear. And I'm going to share as well a link in the show description in the show notes for an interview that I did in conversation with Andy from Finding Value Finance and talking about some work from a gentleman named Simon Michaud, who's done a pretty in-depth analysis of what a world without fossil fuels would look like in terms of demand for metals and minerals. It's pretty astonishing, honestly. Um, so I'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to mention that right now the COP27 um, conference is happening, and this is happening in Egypt. This is uh, the climate change conference, okay? So this is the conference of the parties, COP27, and this is the 27th session. This is the first session for COP27, for, for any COP conference, where there has been a pavilion in the conference for nuclear. This is the first time that there's actually representation of nuclear. Uh, I mean, this is insane to even say, right? Because if you're really in a panic about climate change, nuclear is the answer, um, in, in my opinion, obviously. Um, but to, to highlight that, this is a, a big testament to the sentiment change for nuclear that's happening right now. And this is a quote from uh, from the IEA's uh, viral. Um, he's telling the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency's uh, director, Grossi, at the COP27 conference, quote, this is the first time in history of the COPs that you have a nuclear pavilion. Countries that were saying goodbye to nuclear power are rethinking their plans. So we did hear from Grassi a couple of months back. And, you know, I, I apologize, I forget the statistic, but it was something pretty remarkable. It was, it was more than a dozen. It might have been even in the 20s. The number of new countries 
that are coming to the IAEA seeking advice and assistance on establishing nuclear for their country, countries that do not have nuclear now. Um, we know that there's uh, 20 countries right now building out nuclear. Um, China has 20 plus reactors under construction. Uh, five construction starts this year alone in China. Um, and China needs to build six to eight a year plus to meet their goals. In fact, they need to do even more than that. But either way, they continue to build out. They are also seeking new uh, sources of uranium. We heard recently that CNNC signed a, a new contract with Cameco. And Cameco now potentially can ship their material from Inkai to the east and not have to worry about shipping it west. That's a fantastic deal for Cameco. And it's a testament that the Chinese that are sitting on hundreds of millions of pounds of inventory are seeking more supply. They know where the wind is blowing. And I'm telling you, it's blowing in the direction of nuclear. Okay, I'm trying, I'm going to try to not be too long winded on this. Um, so you should just watch the interview with Andy and I'll post that link in the description. But basically, I came across the work of this gentleman, Simon Michaud. Um, he's, he's an Australian gentleman living in Finland. I don't have his CV or his bio in front of me, but he basically has, I believe it's a master's and a uh, a master's and potentially a PhD as well in uh, mining engineering and geology, something like that. He, he's basically an expert when it comes to mining and geology. And he works for this entity in uh, in Finland where he's done some research on the metallurgical needs for a quote-unquote tra transition away from fossil fuels. And his standpoint is coming from that of uh, we have reached peak oil production. He believes that 2018 will be proven as the peak year of oil production. I don't know if that's true. I haven't done as much work on oil, so I'm not making that statement, but he had to plant his flag somewhere in order to do a hypothetical for this study. So his hypothetical was no fossil fuels by 2050, period. That's his hypothetical scenario. What does that look like if we have this population of the world as it is right now? I believe the population is peaked, by the way, so I'm not necessarily agreeing with him on this, but... Um, the population of the world as it is now, uh, operating in the manner that we are now with this uh, totally interconnected world, uh, interconnected global economies, interconnected um, uh, shipping routes and materials shipping across the globe, etc. And looking at that going out, okay, if we don't have fossil fuels for energy, for transportation, etc., um, what are we going to utilize? And he used some, some projections from the IEA, the International Energy Agency. The IEA has a goal of net zero globally by 2050. Pretty optimistic. What does the IEA propose? A doubling of nuclear. They want to see almost 2,500 terawatt hours of nuclear by 2040, not 2050. 17 years from now, they want to see nuclear doubled. Okay. So you have to consider there's going to be a lot of reactors coming offline during that period of time as well. And some of those are going to be getting, and probably more now, be getting life extensions because of the way that the wind is blowing. But that's a massive, massive expansion of nuclear. And this is this is not me proposing it. This is not China, uh, you know, touting their uh, five-year plans. This is the IEA saying, this is what we need. We need to double nuclear. So uh, Michaud went along with that. So if we assume a doubling of nuclear, nuclear by 2040, if we assume a doubling, uh, a little bit more than a doubling of uh, hydroelectricity, uh, increase in geothermal, and then the rest is solar and wind. Um, and so basically what that looks like is um, there is not even close to enough metals on the planet to supply the world for this transition. They don't exist in the Earth's crust. And his assumptions on nuclear, in my opinion, are slightly flawed. Um, he is correct. It takes a very long time to build, especially when you consider bureaucratic red tape and the lead time going up to the actual construction start. But... Um, uh, I don't think he he's correct when it comes to global reserves for this 
report. He had to take proven out reserves basically from previous exploration. And going off of that, you know, there's 12 or 13 billion pounds of uranium in your reserves. He's not looking at phosphate tails. He's not looking at seawater. Um, even so the interesting thing with nuclear is that even with the uranium price, that's three, four, five times higher than it is the EROI, the energy return on energy invested for nuclear still is significantly higher than anything else that we have. And that's the important point. So I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of stop it there and say, I think that nuclear is going to be increasingly embraced in the decades coming. And we could see an absolute monstrous super cycle for uranium. That's I'm not talking about two, three years and a possible spike from sput. I mean, that that could look like child's play compared to what is coming in the world that we're living in now. It's important to look at what is happening, what countries are doing, not just what they're saying. And what they're doing is extending the lives of reactors, embracing SMRs. China's going all out. India's going all out. And there's a number of countries that are Previously, we're phasing out nuclear that are going to be building new uh, new reactors, uh, France, notably, UK, notably, potentially even the United States. So we could be on the cusp of a very, very long, very bullish cycle for nuclear and especially for the commodity uranium, because that's the only way that we have to power these reactors at this stage. Perhaps thorium has a future. I believe it does. Eventually, maybe we'll see nuclear uh, fusion it would be fantastic for humanity. For now, we're looking at a major cycle for uranium, and that's what's coming that's what we're positioned for. So have a great weekend. I won't see you next week, but I will see you the following week. Thank you so much for watching. I do appreciate your support if you are a member. If you're not, thank you for watching this, liking the video and sharing it around. I do appreciate it. Um, take care, you guys. Have a great weekend. I will see you soon. Cheers.